If you would join with me in the second chapter of Luke on this second week of Advent as we consider a journey, a journey of life that God had called His servants of old, and we find our place as well in the applications in which God then calls us to a journey here in this life. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, open up the eyes of our heart and stir us up in faith today that we will once again remember what Christ has done for us and look back upon that time when He called us out of darkness into light and called us to walk according to the light that You shine in our hearts, to walk according to the Word of truth, to walk by faith and not by what our eyes can see, to walk trusting You and not figuring out our own way, to walk in the narrative that you have already scripted and the story that you've already written. We pray that you would open the eyes of our heart this day, that we would strengthen our faith in that which you've told, that which you've promised, and that which you are. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, God has a story that He has written out before the world was made, and He was working that story out in history, and He has been working that story out in this world since the beginning of human history. The story of God has characters. It has a plot. It has mystery and intrigue, many twists and turns, and full of surprises, It has romance, it has battles, it includes a clash of kingdoms, good versus evil, it has handsome princes and beautiful maidens, there's tension that keeps you on the edge of your seat and resolve that brings the release that your spirit needs and you thought your insides were going to explode. It has high drama and yet humor that produces belly-rolling laughter. God's story begins in paradise with His creation. It continues with man losing paradise, and it ends with a paradise gloriously restored, which is a new beginning. Every person who's ever lived has had a part in God's story. Willing, or unwilling, wittingly or not, they have a role to play. From Moses to Pharaoh, from David to Goliath, from Jesus to Satan, 
Every man, every angel, every creature in God's creation, elect or fallen, has a role to play. God has written the script. The end is already determined. Each character's lot in life, his direction, his decisions before him has already been written out. God is creator and sovereign, the one who is the first and the last, who knows the end from the beginning, because he has decreed all things that shall ever come to pass, has directed his own story so that it will end exactly as he desires and he, as he has declared it to be so. Within this story and along its plot development are a lot of little stories, all of them a part of the larger one, even though it's sometimes to difficult to see how it all fits together. The story is ultimately about the glory of God. He created this world for His glory. He saves His elect for His glory. He leads them along for His glory. And it is for His namesake of why this story exists. And that's why He created this world. That's why He works the story out. It is for His good pleasure. God likes a good story. And we all like a good story. Because we, like God, like a good story. This morning is the second week of Advent, and we consider the story of a journey. A journey of Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. For some of you who follow an old tradition that began in Germany years ago, and perhaps have an Advent wreath in their their home with candles counting up the weeks to Christmas, while this is a time of reflection, the time of preparation for the coming of Christ, both looking back to His first and expecting His second. This week's candle in some traditions is the Bethlehem candle. Last week's focus was on hope through the prophecy. This week's focus is faith in the journey. Faith in the journey through life, like that of Joseph and Mary as they journeyed to Bethlehem. This morning I want to preach to you on our journey of faith. In this life, the script has already been written. And we have one of two ways that we can approach the script. Number one, we can trust God and we can live by faith. Or number two... We can try to figure out our own way in life. We can attempt to write our own narrative, to do our own thing, trying to control our own destiny. Only one of those is going to work. You're either a willing agent or an unwilling agent, but you are nonetheless an agent of God's providence. While we tend toward the second of these two options because of our fallen nature, it's only the first option that's the viable option for life. The first option does confront our pride. It does confront our self-reliance, our stubbornness, our desire to control our destiny. And it instructs us to trust the One 
who made us and who made all things, who has directed all of our history, who has governed all of this world. It teaches us to trust God's wisdom and not our own, to meekly yield to His plans that He has for us and constantly seek His understanding for what we are supposed to do in life. To live by faith means that you trust God. And we confess that we do not know our own way. Nor can we control our own destiny. But it finds peace and it has confidence in trusting in God. And all of the twists and turns in His story in our own personal lives. The second option that we come into this world in our fallenness attempting to live out ignores and it recoils this notion. It kicks against the goads of God Himself, trying to take control of one's life, trying to figure out all of His decisions on His own, trusting His own wisdom and trying to be the captain of His own fate, and it is utterly foolish. The second of the two options really only produces fear, anxiety, worry, inner turmoil, lack of peace, insecurity, emptiness, and ultimately, regret. No matter how successful he or she may be when he parts this world. Consider the narrative of Mary and Joseph, we find them living in a very volatile time in human history. The Jews were under the, the dominion and oppression of the Roman government. And the Jews themselves were very volatile, particularly down in Jerusalem as they await the coming Messiah. They themselves were not even unified of what they were expecting or how that would come and what it would look like when He did. But God had all these things already planned out from the beginning. God had given to the Jews His Word. God had given to the Jews His covenant. He had informed them how this would come about. And He foreshadowed these events that are about to take place in the life of this young couple. But not only were the foreshadowing of these events were now in Mary and Joseph's life taking place, God had actually prophesied with some clarity about how these things would come about and even when they would happen. There were signs to look for for those who were walking by faith. Isaiah prophesied over four, 700 years before Mary was even born that a virgin would bring forth a son and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. Daniel had prophesied over 500 years before the exact time frame in which Messiah would be born. And those who were living by faith were looking and anticipating for the very time frame. And we find even Gentiles coming from the east, knowing the time, seeing the sign, and they came looking for a king that was to be born or was born. Those who live by faith would be looking forward to the things with anticipation, even though they could not see the details clearly. And, and that is a part of a living by faith. We, we have some indications or we know the next right thing to do, but 
God doesn't reveal all of the details. He doesn't give it to us clearly in a snapshot so we can see for the next 15 years what is coming and then so order our lives accordingly. That's not living by faith. As the time drew near for Jesus to be born, Joseph and Mary had a role to play in life. They had a part in the script. Their characters would be introduced in the story. And they would be developed. But the chief character in this entire story would be Jesus. It would be now time to bring Him into the big story. Having been prophesied for many years and hundreds and centuries before, having detailed out the very work that He would do and all of the object lessons that the ceremonial law would reveal, it was now time to bring Him into the story. But how would God do that? So many things had already been written about Him and His entry into the world, and now it was time for Him to come. But those details that God had foretold through the prophets would now have to materialize for the story to move forward in the way that God intended, as the way He had directed, according to the script that was already written. The seed of the woman, which would be the man-child that would be born all the way back from Genesis 3.15, would enter into a very major battle with the serpent and would eventually crush his head with a mortal wound. He would come from Adam and through Isaac and Jacob, not Esau. He would come from the tribe of Judah, not Levi. Moses said he would be the prophet that would come in the likeness of himself, who was a mediator of sorts. He would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He would come from the line of David and sit upon his throne, and his kingdom would have no end. All of the nations would be given to him, and he would have dominion over all of the kingdoms that would ever emerge. He would be born in Bethlehem, as Micah told. He would be born of a virgin, as Isaiah told. He would be born in a specific time, as Daniel told. He would come out of Egypt, as the prophecy revealed. And it was foretold that he would even be seen coming out of the temple. And when that was said, the temple wasn't even built. So all these factors and even more had to happen according to the script that God had written. And the way that God advances the narrative through a faithful people, trusting in His Word, obeying His will. God ensures that His story will occur exactly like He planned it. No one can thwart His will. No act of disobedience will sidetrack or, or throw in a, a monkey wrench into the plans of God. No angel or man can change the plan that God has already set in course and is already working out. There is not anything that will frustrate the will of God. There will be no surprises for the one who's written the script. 
So the time was fulfilled that Jesus, the Son of God, would enter the story here on earth. And therefore, God providentially moves the affairs on the earth to set the stage for the next scene that's about to come. And both Joseph and Mary had been prepared for God, by God for a very long time. Oh, long before they were even born. God worked out the details so that Jesus would be born of the tribe of Judah. And specifically from the lineage of David. From the time that Joseph and Mary were even born, their destiny here on earth and the role in the story that God had determined for them was already written. Details over which they had no decisions in the years in which they grew up were all very important to the story. But they hadn't a clue at that time. Times about when they grew up, where they grew up, how they met and how they fell in love and became betrothed to one another. They weren't thinking about their bigger role in life. They weren't seeing the bigger picture. They were simply trusting in God, living their lives in obedience to Him, doing the next right thing that God showed them. Then the political environment of the world changed. A new decree went out from Caesar Augustus to take a census of the empire. The man in charge of this affair was Octavian Caesar Augustus. You'll remember him by the end of this sermon. At least most of you will. Octavian, known as Augustus, was the nephew of Julius Caesar. He had an interesting rise to power, and after this interesting rise to power, he was finally acknowledged as Augustus Caesar by the Senate in 27 B.C., when they gave him the honored name Augustus. This was the character featured in the film, The Night of the Museum. That's probably why most of you will now remember who we're talking about. You know who his sidekick was, right? Jedediah, if you've seen the movie. There's interesting symbolism there in the movie because there's a juxtaposition between Two characters, Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, whose name was Jedediah, and Caesar Augustus. Octavian's reign in the time in which Mary and Joseph lived was known for his peaceful character, under whose rule the very famous Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome, was initiated and carried out throughout the Roman Empire. This was the time in which Rome had dominion, and they were able to build roads, provide safety for their citizens, and the peace went out throughout the empire. And it's in the context of this emperor who was known for the reign of his peace that God raises up the child of peace, whose reign of peace will last forever. Caesar Augustus sends out a decree a decree required the journey after the Jewish tradition of which they would have to go back to their homeland to be registered for tax purposes. 
This was actually not a common event. And so it's very notable. In fact, in the dating of Jesus, this is one of those data points that we can use because we know of this time frame. This was the first time that Rome, the Roman Empire or any Caesar or has ever done this particular thing. And so there's a uniqueness in the historical situation which gives this a particular historical context for the story about to unfold. In today's world, this would have been all over the news. We would have been talking about it. Fox News would have had commentaries discussing all the details that led up to this particular event. Analysts would be criticizing the moves. We would all be faulting uh, the, the move as the tyranny of government to have us to go back and force us to our homeland to pick up and journey in order to pay him his tax. After all, it took a long time for some people to journey back to their homeland. It was very expensive. It would be costly and exorbitant. And yet we would go on and on about the wrongness, and we would talk about it for weeks and probably months. We would complain about the government, and the Jews would increase their displeasure over the Roman oppression as CNN, NBC, and even Fox News would have this daily on their screens. And all of these things in the world would be going on. But that's not really where the focus of the story is. Those are the things that are taking place. And everyone who is focusing on the current worldly events of the day, they're going to miss the point. They're going to see Missed the big picture. See, God was behind all of those events. In order to guide the birth of the promised Messiah to exactly the place that He wanted Him to be born, which was prophesied because it was written in the script, and God was going to get Him there. There's going to be some drama. Every good story has drama. mention of the census explains how the couple who was living up in Nazareth then ends up giving birth to a child down in Bethlehem. The accidental events of history became acts of destiny. Little actions have great significance in this world. A ruler was to come out of Bethlehem, and only a governmental decree puts the parents in the right place at the right time. God uses even the wrath of men to praise Him, the psalm says. Not only had God written the details in the script ahead of time, He told us what was going to happen. The mystery was now about to be revealed. And God's providence led Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. But why did they go? Why did they go? Well, in the second cause, if we can say it this way, or the immediate thing of which the eyes could see and how their minds might digest, it was because of the tyranny and the oppression of the civil Roman government that required them to go back to their home city to pay a tax, to be registered. How did Joseph and Mary respond? They yielded to the circumstances of their day and trusting God even while they didn't see clearly the big picture or 
even at this time, the significance of their role in the big story. They trusted God. They did the next right thing. They made their journey to Bethlehem. The issue wasn't about having to be registered. The big point of their life was not about paying taxes or not. They trusted God. We can stand back and we can see the big picture. Of all places, why Bethlehem? Because God had already written into His narrative long ago. And He puts it through the words of Micah when He says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to Me the One to be the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. It was quite a story to get to this point in their life, in their journey. But the Lord directed every step, every detail, every character for His glory, all the way that brings them up to this place. Being faithful and a righteous man, Joseph went to Bethlehem to register his name in the census. See, life isn't really about government, paying your taxes, and Caesars. Those are all parts of the story that keeps things interesting, yes. And God directs all those affairs to advance the setting and the scenes for the next thing that He has planned, which is really the, the part of the, the big story. But the, the main plot is developing within the context of God's people. It's not happening in the larger events of the world. You know where the big important things are happening in the story of God? It's happening in the homes of faithful and righteous men and women and boys and girls dedicated to do the will of God and obey His direction for their lives. That's where the main story is happening. So keep your focus on the main thing. And what God is doing in this world through His church and through His people, that's where God's at work. That's where the primary story is unfolding. The focus and emphasis of our lives in this world will never boil down to fighting tyranny, paying taxes, and what Caesar is doing, and which Caesar is elected. But rather, it's going to be what God is doing behind the scenes. What He's calling you to do in the context of those things for a higher purpose that will last and endure for generations to come. Don't miss the mark in getting your life focused on the wrong issues. You may have to face tyranny. You may even have to stand up to it. You may have to pay taxes. And there will be ungodly Caesars in your lives. But those things will never be the main point of your life in the script that God has written for you. Those secondary issues should never define who you are or what you are about. God has a plan for your life. He has a script already written out. And it's so much bigger than the current state of affairs or the current events that are going on. 
It's bigger than who the next Caesar is going to be. It's bigger than the taxes and the debt load of this country. Your responsibility is to faithfully seek the Lord's will for your life and then obey Him by doing the next right thing that He has shown you. He's already got your life written out in advance. The script is there. And He's calling you to be faithful, to trust Him, and to walk according to His plan. To live by faith. But to live by faith, God will put many decisions in your pathway that you will make while having to trust Him. This is part of the uncomfortable aspects of the journey in faith. But you're going to have to make decisions in your life no matter what. You might as well do it trusting in the one who's got the script written out and not trying to be the captain of your own faith, not trying to figure all the details out ahead of time and to see clearly your way because it will never happen the way that you plan. In the process of those decisions that God has ordered for you to, to make, He wants you to trust Him. He doesn't want you to be anxious. God does not want you to worry. He's made that emphatically clear. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He's promised the wisdom if you but ask Him in faith. And He says, I'll give it to you liberally. And when you live by faith, God doesn't show you all the details of how everything is going to turn out. That's contrary to the way He wants you to live. You will immediately turn your heart away from Him and seek to do that which He has ordered, but in your own strength. He shows you the next step, and He tests your faithfulness to do the next right thing that you know. Mary was with a child, and they journeyed. And she gave birth while she was in Bethlehem. There was a lot of faith in their lives to get them to this point in their journey. Decisions were made based on faith and what God had revealed at the moment. Think about it for a moment when they're back in Nazareth and, and, and Joseph learns that Mary was pregnant. He didn't have the answers at the moment. This would have been absolutely shocking, hurtful, discouraging, and deeply disappointing when Joseph finds out that the one he is betrothed to is pregnant. And he knows he's not the father. But he didn't have all the understanding at that moment. And so when he comes to realize this, he decides to put her away quietly. Being merciful in his decision-making process, he was following the law of God, trying to do the next right thing. But what would he have thought of Mary? What would he have thought of her integrity? He, he thought he knew her. Her character. He had committed his life to, to her, to walk with her, to protect her, to provide for her. And he thought he knew her. He thought he could trust her. And now this big disappointing news. 
Joseph was a good man according to what God said about him. But God revealed to him after his decision to put away Mary quietly that Mary was actually pregnant with the Holy Spirit and the Son of God that was long awaited. This had never been done before. The precedent, there was no precedent to believe and trust this ever actually happening. He gets up from this dream vision that God revealed these things to him and he had a decision to make. He had a decision to make. He could continue to put Mary away as he had previously planned, or he could act upon this new information that God revealed to him. That was his decision. He could live by faith, which would then yield itself in obedience to the Word of God, even though all the details were not yet clear. And that's how faith works. See, natural sight is going to interpret matters in the way that it sees it, in the way that our brains can figure it out. Faith sees what God reveals, which is often contrary to what we interpret and what we see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And Joseph made a decision to believe the Word, and he changed his direction. He changed his mind. Faith caused him to then reorder his life to a new set of circumstances that before he had never conceived. And these were radical plans. But it required him to take action, to be decisive, and to trust God through the process and get on with the next right thing. So while Joseph had decisions to make for which he was responsible, he had no control over this part of the script that was already written for him by God. Joseph was not consulted by God regarding his role that he would play. This would be God's assignment for him. He had to trust God with all the uncertainties. He had to move forward in the will of God, trusting that God had the next right move figured out. He had to trust that God had prepared him from before eternity and even with his parents and where he was born, with all of those details that he didn't have the clarity that we have. Was all this going to be then smooth sailing? Okay, God, I'm going to trust you. We're going to do this. And he sets out. But it was not going to be smooth sailing. Never confirm the will of God in your life about how easy the circumstances go when you walk by faith. I can imagine a conversation that may have taken place between the betrothed couple about the journey to Bethlehem. After all, Mary was very pregnant. Claire, <laughs> let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go on a journey. We're going to hike and we'll take a donkey. Did, did either of them question if Mary should, should perhaps stay in Nazareth while Joseph made a quick trip down there and a quick trip back? It would, after all, be quicker that way. Did Mary give Joseph grief about the journey? How did the couple respond when 
her labor begins and her contractions begin and they're at the, the, the counter of the inn and the innkeeper says, I have no room. Ugh. Joseph, what are we going to do? Innkeeper, is there any options? Well, there's a, there's a manger out back. We'll take it. Faith will reveal itself in the circumstances. Strong faith will reveal itself in the attitudes in the midst of those circumstances. Ladies, while you're under your husband's leadership, do you have strong faith in God that will make his leadership easy? Do you make it easy or hard for him to follow the Lord's will and to lead your family along the journey of life that God has already written. On a subsequent occasion after Jesus was born, Joseph was planning to return home now with his wife and child with expectation to show the new arrival to his family and friends back in Nazareth. But he instead was warned not to do that but go the opposite way to Egypt. The Scripture specifically informs us in Matthew 2.13 that the angel of the Lord informed Joseph in a dream to take Mary and the baby Jesus and go to Egypt. The angel did not reveal this to the couple. The angel did not reveal this to Mary. He revealed it to Joseph. And Joseph then had to reveal it to Mary. Can you see that picture coming? And what am I going to tell her? How is she going to respond? She ain't going to like this, Lord. Joseph, again, was confronted with news he hadn't planned for. He, he hadn't thought this through. This was not a part of his five-year plan. He was faced with a decision. Trust God for the next right thing. And right at that moment, you know what the next right thing was to do? What was it? It was to go tell his wife. What the will of God was for the family. That was the next right thing. In some people's marriages, that's harder than actually getting on to the next step. He had to lead. He had to tell the news to Mary. He was faced with a decision, trust God and go far away from home or take matters into his own hands and try to figure out another way. And Mary had to trust her husband by trusting God. She had to trust her husband by trusting God. Again, you can see that this could have been a point of contention in the marriage. We don't know. They, they are human after all. Egypt? Uh, Joseph, that's the opposite direction. Can't we go, you know, somewhere else? Wives, you can imagine the difficulty that this would have been for Mary in this situation. You could, have, you could make it difficult for your husband to lead according to the will of God, or you could encourage his faith when he needed it the most. It's so difficult to then have to put this challenging news to a wife who's going to fight it and combat it. This 
was the will of God for them. And he might have been struggling a little bit with this himself. He needed to get back to his job. How is he going to take care of the family? How is he going to provide for this? And all of these, she could have been just drilling him, causing greater doubt and grief in his life. Or she could have been, honey, this is how the Lord's led you. Let's be encouraged. And I'm with you in this. Lead, and I'm right here with you. Joseph's role was to protect Mary and Jesus. He had a tremendous responsibility to protect the Lord Jesus from Herod. You see, this is an echo back to the past when Moses, the typical mediator, the, the symbolic mediator of the time, which was protected from, from Pharaoh, and when all of the decree went out to, to kill all of the, the babies, and Moses were protected in the ark. And now the real story is coming. So thinking deeper about that role, do you think God would enable Joseph to be successful in carrying out what he has commanded him to do? It was treacherous. But could Joseph actually fail if he but trusted God? Would he fail if he took matters into his own hands and tried to go another way? Which one was going to be successful? Could Herod really kill Jesus? The script had already been written. Oh, the, the threat was real. The danger was felt. But God had written the script. Jesus would not die until the appointed time. God was directing the story, but Mary and Joseph didn't have all the details. They had to trust God to do the next right thing. They had to live responsibly. This is not a fatalistic approach. No, God uses means to accomplish His end. And Joseph had a responsibility to fulfill. He had a wife to lead. He had a child to protect. And it was a change in his plans to go down to Egypt. But it was not a change in God's plans, nor the script that he had already written. It confronted the couple with a new twist and a new turn in their lives, which would inevitably have brought stress and tension, particularly if they were not trusting the Lord. Or, they could take their hands off and trust God, adjust their spirit, and adjust their lives to yield to the will of God and obey Him. It may have been a big disappointment for them not to be able to return home where friends and relatives were eagerly waiting to to greet the new addition to this couple. Joseph could be confident. And what God called him to do, God would also fulfill it so long as Joseph was faithfully trusting God and obeying Him accordingly. The script was written. Joseph would do that. God would enable him. God would grace him. And Joseph would respond faithfully. It boils down to being that simple, does it not? Just trusting God and doing the next right thing you know to do. 
We tend to make it difficult because we desire another route or a new twist comes. And that's not the way we wanted to go. Or we want to take another path or perhaps maybe figure out some other way to make it simpler or to return home when God calls us to Egypt. But going down to Egypt was important not only for the sake of their own lives, but it was a part of the story that had to be fulfilled. And the political environment once again moved it to the next scene. And Matthew 2.15 says, and there, and there was until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord through the prophets, saying, out of Egypt I will call my son. All of the details had to come together When God directed them to Egypt, He did not inform them how long they would be there. He didn't inform them all the details. He didn't inform them how He's going to protect them and provide for them along the way. They did the next right thing. God doesn't reveal the future to us except when we need to know it. And He certainly doesn't reveal the big picture. He gives us what we need when we need it. And we are held responsible to be faithful with what He's given us and to obey His voice to do the next right thing. Living by faith is never seeing our way clear to the end. It is not seeing the next five years of your life. It is simply doing the next right thing. How many of you, two years ago, thought you would ever be here in this church and that was part of your five-year plan? How many of you, five years ago, Had this a part of your five-year plan? How many of you 10 years ago? How many of you 16 years ago? And I know I'm safe there because none of us saw that we would be here in a little building united together in the backside of the woods in a place called Hickman County in Coble, Tennessee. That was not a part of any of our imaginations or plans 16, 17 years ago. Not even on our radar screen. Here we are. The script of your life has been written. And you've been faithful and you've been walking by faith and and there have been times when you fail, but you're still here and you're still a part of what that narrative is that God has for your life. And when it was time to leave Egypt, the angel of the Lord appeared once again to Joseph, not Mary, and he gave the instructions to go home. Now that would have been easy. Mary, It's time to go home. But she still had to trust her husband. Do you know even good news like that brings a a, a whole host of doubts? Well, is is Herod really dead? How do we know? My, my, My internet went out. Joseph, that's the only news you have? Is there any proof, any evidence? Well, the angel told me. Can you show me something? I want to go home, but fear, right? Would her baby be harmed? Was it really okay to go back home? You see, there's always room for doubts on the journey, even when the news comes that is good. Even when good news comes, our fallenness has a way to turn it into doubt, and that's not pleasing to the Lord. And I'm not saying Mary did that, but there's all kinds of room, because I know I do that. Mary and Joseph's journey through life required faith to find their way, both in the hard times and in the good times. They simply had to trust God in doing what they would do. And when they trusted God, they would not miss the will of God.
lot of times when people come up to a big decision in life, how do I know the will of God for my life? The Bible's very clear. This is the will of God for your life, your sanctification. I can point you to a chapter and verse. And as you, as you are doing the next right thing, you will not miss it. You can't miss it. There'll be lots of uncertainty in times and, and questions on decisions you make. And, and, but if you're faithful and you're trusting Him, He has already got your script written. You, as they, will never be stuck not knowing what the next right thing is to do. If they needed to make a decision or go a different direction, God would show them. And He would show them when they needed it. While they would not be able to see clearly how everything was going to turn out, they could trust God that He was going to take care of them, provide for them. If they seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all the things will be taken care of. See, there's promises to live by. There's faith to exercise. And you will never live by faith if you feel like you have to have it all figured out ahead of time. Living by faith simply doesn't work that way. To the world, this seems like foolishness, but this is the way that God has planned for us. It is part of directing His own story that He's written for your life and for mine, and we're all related together. It's the characters and the plot of God. And anything I do and anything you do affects the whole lot of us, but not only our lot, but the, the ones who come in several hundred years later. God directs every camera angle every lighting situation. He knows exactly how it all should come together in the beautiful picture that He has already painted. And all we have to do is not trust ourselves, but to trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You have to live life and you have a life to live. You have decisions to make. And you have to do this in a context that God has already figured out, but you don't. And your life's purpose will not be defined by world politics. Your life's purpose will not be defined by health and sickness. It will not be defined by the trials you face. It will not be defined by the world's news. It will be not be defined by masks and mandates. Your life is a workmanship of God put here on earth, saved by grace for a very specific purpose that He has called you to fulfill. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works which God beforehand has ordained that you should walk in them. Your script has been written. The story is clear in God's mind, but not in yours. He's given us what we need so that we can have hope. He's given us what we need so we can live by the promises. He's told us the next right thing to do, whatever that is in your particular. You are to be faithful with the little things. And when you are, He will give you responsibility for the bigger things. You are called to a higher purpose than to satisfy your own desires. And that's true in every turn and twist in your narrative that God has written for you. I want to go back home. No, I want you to go to Egypt. 
you have responsibilities to fulfill that are bigger than yourself, that are bigger than your wife and children, that has something to do with the pleasures and the glory of God, and you will only be ultimately satisfied when you trust Him and obey that to His glory. I know our fallenness thinks that we've got a better way or something will be better pleasing to ourselves, and it will all be utterly a failure. It will never satisfy. The only way you can fulfill your responsibilities that God has already planned out for your life is to trust Him, to trust His wisdom, to trust His providence, and obey Him in the next right thing you are to do. Not seeing clearly the way beyond, but the Word of God is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path, and I can see my next step. Take it. Obey God by trusting Him. Make it easy on yourself, okay? Make it easy on yourself. You can make it hard, you can make it difficult, just make it easy. You can make it easy on yourself by nurturing a strong faith so that your attitudes will be right when God changes the direction for your life. When we raise up our children, we raise them up and we tell them, be flexible, always be flexible, be willing to change. Well, Daddy, you told us we were going to do this, but now you're doing this. Nope. I changed. I can do that. You can make yourself miserable, or you can be flexible and adjust. You know, God does that with us. And you can make it easy on yourself and on your spirit and on your parents and on your husband and on your wife. And you can make it easy on your life circumstances and on your friends if you nurture a strong faith so that your attitude is right when God changes a direction in your life that you had not expected. It was not a part of your plan. The narratives of our story have already been written by God who saved you by grace, who has your works already foreordained for you to faithfully walk in them, and God desires for you to delight in doing His will. Delight in the Sabbath day. Delight in all of His ways. And He will direct your path. I guarantee you, it'll be a better path than you could ever have chosen for yourself. It's not about you. It's about the glory of God. And your life is most satisfied when you live for His glory. God doesn't want you to be frustrated. He doesn't want you to be anxious. He doesn't want you to be fearful. And He does not want you to worry. He has said this over and over again. The fruit of the Spirit are the very things that the human heart longs for. Love and joy and peace. But just know this. He's got your future already mapped out for you. Trust Him for it. There'll be disappointments. There'll be twists and turns. There'll be mysteries and confusion. There'll be laughter and there'll be high drama. But He will show you great and mighty things like He did for Joseph and Mary when they end up seeing the big picture that they now see. And now we're a part of their life and narrative and story as we carry on here until the Lord returns. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, as we think about the faithfulness of this young couple that You have prepared in many ways before the foundation of the world, even through the King David, 
through the prophets, through the context in which they lived, through the Roman government, through the parents to whom they were born, for the place in which they lived. And yet, all of these things nurturing their faith to prepare them for a great and mighty thing. Filled with great drama, but Lord, Your life was full of great drama. But it was also filled with great victory. We thank You for revealing to us and reminding us of these simple truths. And we pray that You would stir them up in our heart. That You would give us strong faith to do the next right thing and be obedient to Your will. Whatever that is, as we wake up tomorrow, may we lean upon You asking You, what is Your will for our lives today? Grant me the grace to be faithful in fulfilling it. And day by day, may we walk with You in faith, not worrying about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. By seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, knowing that you're going to take care of all of our needs and all the details of life. May we trust in our God. and May you strengthen our faith so that our attitudes are pleasing to you when you adjust our schedule. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.